Coming up on the podcast, we're going to do a diehard inside a diehard on top of a diehard with more diehard. It's the diehardiest of the diehards ever. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hello, listener, and welcome to episode 296 of the Magnificent Huge Podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to dive into, well, basically, diehards. All the diehards. The first diehard that set the template for all the subsequent diehards to come. We're talking all the sequels, all the clones, all the knockoffs that we could think of or otherwise decided we wanted to talk about. Because there's literally dozens at this point. So if we don't hit your favorite, apologies. We're just kind of flying blind here with all our diehard knowledge. Uh, If you're not aware of Die Hard, well, get to it. 1988, star-making vehicle for Bruce Willis, uh, John McClane, Nakatomi Plaza, Whammy Bammy, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, villainous, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. But that set the stage for a ton of other movies that just ripped it off completely. Some of them better than others. And that's kind of where we're going with this one. Not the most original show, idea ever but it's certainly one that we hadn't talked about yet and we thought it would be fun so hopefully you will enjoy if you do send an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com you can reach out to us on twitter we're on facebook we're on instagram blah 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 you can head on over to our website maghuge.com where we've got links and all the other stuff there as well uh that's pretty much the deal you know where to find us you've listened to it before hopefully uh and you're enjoying every minute of the program. So without further ado, we're going to do a Die Hard inside a Die Hard with more Die Hard with Die Hard on top. It's Die Hard in a Die Hard. Have I said Die Hard enough? Because that's literally the show. Okay, have fun. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Hello. Hi. Excuse me. That was rude. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'll Maybe eat something Kaye. next. Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, welcome to Die Hard and a Die Hard, where we're going to talk about diehards and a diehard. Die Hard and everything. Die Hard, Die Hard, Die, die hard. hard. Die Hard <laughs> as a a, uh, a genre. Yeah. Like a film, a film that was so good and so unique that any film that used that style fell into a genre. Yeah. Who knew back in yeah. 1988? Who knew? Yeah. Not, not us. That's for certain. Well, anyway, I didn't know. My name is Brian, and I didn't hey. know. <laughs> Welcome, Brian. This is Chris, and uh, I never know. <laughs> My name is Eric. I don't own a fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm he doesn't nervous. even know the topics half the time, which it's is nice. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. Who carries this in their heads for two weeks? For, Nobody. Uh, That's why we like have us. Slack and we read it. Yeah, but anyway, I I try, but you guys type so much stuff. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Where's the answer to my question? Yeah, it's like, you you know, you could just, you know, scroll. I know scrolling is hard, but uh, I scroll and I look and I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of letters. I don't know what all that means. I can't see. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Ah. It's just the way of it. What can you do? Die hard, die hard, die hard. Yeah, that's basically 
it. All right. Uh, who uh, should we just jump in? Like yeah. who's got some who's got some fresh shit? This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. I've been watching the uh Righteous Gemstones, a, a show I did not think I would like, and so far I'm really loving it. It's uh, have either of you watched? I I got through like four or five episodes and kind of petered out. They were just a little too irritating as characters for me. Yeah, I I just couldn't stick with it. I I think that's yeah, that's the thing you have to you know I guess come to terms with is that everyone is completely stupid. Yeah, for someone like me that works because if it's too cringe, I can't watch. I mean, cringe. A lot of people seem to enjoy cringe, and yeah. for me, it makes my skin itch. I I can't sit sit still. This I'm not supposed to feel bad on their behalf, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're just venal assholes, all of them. Yeah, but they're uh, all in- intensely stupid. Yeah, like, but it's funny how stupid they are. Yeah, I think so it's this is, uh, this is another Danny. What's his last name? Danny McBride, McBride joint. Yeah, yeah, Danny uh, McBride and his never-ending series of series on HBO, right? About like, yeah, about Southern white trash. About exactly. Danny McBride characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this, it's a family of televangelists, or rather, a televangelist and his ne'er-do-well children, and it's just fucking funny. Uh, not just Danny McBride, but uh, Adam Devine is the would-be gay son yeah it's like all these youth pastor uh gimmicks um he's just yeah yeah he's, he's let loose uh i like his buddy in it though the guy that's the reformed satanist yeah he's, just, he's genius because yeah. it's just yeah just very low low energy oh hey man yeah, yeah. but he's <laughs> like a he's like a napoleon dynamite character almost mm-hmm. he's just so out of sync with the rest of the cast as right. far as the characters go, that it's when he's on screen, he's riveting because yeah. it's just he's so out of it. It's quite funny. And their and sister then, is played by Edie Patterson, who I've never seen before, but she's genius. She looks like somebody I've been watching for years. Yeah. But no, she's just, you know, out of nowhere. Awesome. And mm-hmm. for once, the the woman is probably the stupidest one. You know, it's like that's rare. Usually the woman's the smart one in the group. Yeah. She's like beyond touched uh, i mean she's like so sheltered she talks about sex like a junior high girl you know yeah well and and her husband's even dumber that's what's funny is that you know she she's obviously the one who wears the pants in that relationship but the pants are just not good pants yeah <laughs> it's just so funny because john goodman is the very uh patriarchal dude that leads this whole ensemble like yeah. he's just like the, the the millionaire televangelist guy, and he's just watching his kids be just assholes the whole way through. <laughs> you could just see yeah. him just shaking his head. It's, After like four or five episodes, I just couldn't take anymore. Though it it's was just the so funny much. version of Succession. Yeah. And once again, you watch the kids, and you go, "Is John Goodman ever going to cop to the fact that the way these people act is directly?" The result of his bad parenting. I mean, is that right. ever going to come up? Because you can't get too mad when you did this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so, so I I watched like the first episode years ago, and it, it kind of bounced off of it. Is this a show where like I could pick it up in the third season or anything? Or do I have to like watch it through? I doubt it. You'd probably I have think, to watch that whole thing. I'm not sure. I only just started the second season, and I don't. 
it doesn't rely on the first season, but I think the first season is going to have all, you know, it's got to have the most punch, right? Because everything else after that is like, yeah, well, it, it there's definitely no exposition sets, anymore. It definitely sets up the the family dynamic that first season, at least the first several episodes, like the yeah. interaction with the siblings, especially uh, is, is good because you can kind of see how they're all sort of trying to jockey for John Goodman's favor, but they're all just such assholes about it. Uh, yeah. So it's just, you know, it's the fun. second never- season does have Eric Andre as a sort of the oh young boy. hip up and coming televangelist, <laughs> like, like the sort of the equal to the gemstones, but on the West coast and Eric Andre is never not hilarious. I think he's a <laughs> genius. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's great. Excellent. So how far are you into the second series season then? I'm one episode in. It, are you liking it better than Yellowstone? No, I still like Yellowstone. <laughs> really? That's yeah. astonishing. <laughs> okay. I well. like Yellowstone the way, you know, you like Denny's. It's like, it's not great, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, where <laughs> else are you going to get a moons over my hammy? Am I right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, went to the movies and I know, um, I saw the flash. Uh, a collective. I saw the flash. <laughs> I saw the flash. I saw the flash. I, saw the I flash. just so. a. I'm so tired of superhero movies. B. Ezra Miller is just problematic on 700 levels, and I'm right? not given any money to see that thing. Fuck so, that. so this is the thing about the Flash, right? They know that they like they're 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 Warner Brothers. They've been canceling stuff left and right, trying to save money, do their tax write-offs, right? And they've got this star that they can't use for the publicity tour because he's been like <laughs> assaulting minors in foreign yeah. countries and is generally canceled fucking crazy um and superhero fatigue and and it's showing and like, this movie is tanking you, at the box office you mm-hmm. also can't really get behind a superhero movie that's part of a universe they've already told you has collapsed i mean that's why the other shazam movie bit it too yeah People were like why yeah. bother it's like yeah. they should have they should have waited to introduce James Gunn as the the big cheese well uh, maybe after the fact. I don't yeah. Know. So here's here's all of that's true. And like I said, it, it dropped like 73 percent. Like it was the number one movie last weekend and this weekend. It's like Spider-Man is back in the number one slot. It's just nosedived. It's never going to make its it. money back. Yeah. But here's the thing. I get why they released it, because it's the best superhero movie in a while. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it really yeah. is better than has any right to be. Um, I just, yeah. And it might be the best DC universe movie. Like, well, isn't it like seriously. people are, people are getting pissy because they want, now they want the, the Snyderverse back because this one was a they're, good one. They're not going to get the Snyderverse. Yeah, back. I know, but All you right. know what I mean? So I'm going to drop the spoiler bump here. Full spoilers for the flash. Okay. You don't have to go see it. Boycott it for Ezra Miller. Boycott it because superhero fatigue, whatever, but spoilers i i want to see it though yeah oh Uh-oh. well then i won't spoil, spoil it. it never mind thank no you spoiler yeah. bump. i spoiler I actually want to see it I, I i you know i do i just i think the only reason they released it is they had shot so much and spent so much money on it that it would be it would be too criminal to just no yeah it isn't away. even the money it's legitimately good um yeah. Ezra Miller is legitimately good. Ezra Miller is playing two versions of the same character in just about every shot of this movie, and he's great. 
Um, Because he's crazy. That's why. Yeah, I mean, personal life is a whole other problem, but... but (laughs) Playing I mean, these roles in this movie, he's it's legit funny. The only um, reason I would go see it is to watch Michael Keaton return as Batman. Because that, you know what, this has the best Batman action. Like that's what period. I heard. That's what I heard. Um, yeah, yeah. It it has the best Batfleck action scene in it. It has the best Keaton Batman <laughs> action <laughs> scene. Yeah, and guess go what? Figure. This director is going to go make the Batman Brave and the Bold movie for for uh, James Gunn. Yeah, they gave him that. I, I, I did hear Who's that the be Batman in that. Oh, we don't knows? know. Oh, it, it hasn't been cast. I don't Maybe. think it's going to be Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So I must say, I I am I am a fan of the uh, Ben Affleck Batman. I know I'm in the minority on this. No, no, I, I think he's good. He was he was definitely. I, well, I've said this all, like hundreds of times. He was the best Bruce Wayne. You know. Oh he, yeah. And he did the best job of for the people who think that, you know, Batman is a mask Bruce Wayne wears instead of Bruce Wayne being a mask Batman wears. Yeah, that's so um, heavy, man. That's so deep. No, the the Batfleck stuff is good in this movie. Uh, it happens early on, but but it's also good. And well, and I'm, they I'm... touch on the whole Justice League thing. They touch on they they set it up with this the silliest of stakes at the beginning, like the the flash has to deal with the fact that a whole maternity ward of babies is like falling out of a tall hospital building <laughs> and it's raining each, babies each each baby as it's falling isn't just threatened by the fall no like one there's like scalpels that are about to hit it and, another one's like acid. and the flash has to deal with all this shit so basically and, they wrote this thing just going uh he's the fastest man alive what can we do to make him run even faster yeah so well, that's just a thing. they they set it up with these with these goofy stakes and they basically say look we're gonna have fun this is Good a fun Lord. one guys that sounds very rent and stimpy if i'm yeah. no it is Video it game. is it's <laughs> very clear this my level horse. you've got to get this baby from the scalpels and then to clear this level you yes. gotta yeah okay yeah um so i guess i won't spoil any of the things that are spoilable so i hope yeah, i hope please. that you watch it all the way through eric uh to I'm, get I'm to just, get the good stuff i'm kind of bummed because i did read a story uh even though i do have superhero fatigue but because it tanked uh that sort of scuttled any possibility of them moving keaton into a batman beyond movie yeah uh so that's kind of because that would have been interesting to see he was going to be mentoring in the batgirl movie too yeah as as bruce wayne and we all know what happened to that one yeah freaking no we don't zaslav just buried it (laughs) god damn it god yeah i i I will not you know what though i will not complain because you know it would have been shit i mean you, you, know don't know shit. I, you, you don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. Shit. You know it would have been shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the the solution to making a Flash movie, which was like the comic relief character in the Justice League films, and, and so he's kind of annoying, is by giving him this time travel story, they make an even more annoying version of the same character, and they make the Flash deal with how annoying he is. <laughs> having to observe his own that's very existential it, it's good does uh did they really bring in grant gustin from the tv show as a version of flash um no no i mean he showed up in the tv show when they were doing crisis on the wb uh ezra miller did but they don't did he? okay maybe yeah, that's they, what don't, I read. they okay. don't return gotcha. the favor here interesting uh, but again not gonna spoil what goes down because okay things go thank, down thank you eric appreciates that 
It's it's but, no uh, Fast X though, is what I'm hearing. It, oh, it's, it's much more fun than family. Fast X. It's, it's, it's all about family. Yeah. I'll totally watch this movie again when it comes on streaming. I had a good time with it. I mean, um, I'll I'll probably if I don't have to pay for it, I'll probably watch it if it's I mean, like pirate. You know, you it'll know? show up on HBO Max or whatever. Max oh, yeah. they could whatever. make a crossover where uh, Jonathan Majors is King the Conqueror and Ezra Miller's Flash <laughs> exactly. beat up people on the street. <laughs> it's just randomly. Yeah. It's astonishing how the the superhero hiring is just so sketch on yeah. a couple of these things. It's like they base these franchises around these guys that turn out to be just horrible human beings. And they, <laughs> they got to do, yeah, they, they have to yeah. start doing like background checks, like somebody running for president. Yeah, I mean, credit checks at the very least, right? Seriously. What, what I will say about the Flash movie is like, just let it go that the CG face replacement stuff in this movie is not great. Um, yeah, it it isn't. And the director's trying to say that was intentional and I call bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> but, they ran out of money and time. But just just yeah. accept that the effects could be better. And who cares? Just I mean, they blew the all their money shooting like 700 different endings is basically and I don't. My understanding. Yeah, I I don't care about effects anymore. I'm getting yeah. kind of tired of that being an appeal because like i i bet i have not watched i refuse to watch avatar the way of water i bet it looks great but oh yeah no, i, I bet it no, looks it's fantastic yeah, i bet it look looks like a cartoon is my guess no no <laughs> it looks absolutely believable get out of here and no get out of here i came to the show and said all of this already i know and i still don't believe you is what a I'm real saying. dragon wouldn't act that way yeah <laughs> Well, no, it's like I don't care anymore. It's like there's no you could have horrible effects and a great story, and I would yeah. I would watch it much more readily. Oh, and, okay, and so if you tell me that the Flash has questionable effects, but the story you know works, I'm there. Yeah. Two tangents for the rest of my fresh shit. Tangent one, um, friend of mine from like junior high school. His name is Pi Ware. Uh, is an editor and he edited there's this like 100 years of Warner Brothers documentary mm-hmm. series they're putting on Max because it's the 100th anniversary of Warner's and he's the he's the guy who edited it and so I'm like nice. cool I'll I'll watch that I know the guy that edited it right and I could not get five minutes into this thing and it's not the editor's fault it's David Zaslav's fault so after we get through the opening montage and credits it's all like Hey, Warner Brothers has this long history, and here's David Zaslav in the office of the head of Warner Brothers talking about, you know, <laughs> when we when I come to work every day, this is what we're doing for movies. And I'm like, go fuck yourself, David Zaslav. Yeah. You've been in that chair for like three months, and you all you've done is fire everybody. This is on the I'm watching this on the day he lays off like the whole staff of Turner Classic movies and go fuck yourself, yeah, making I mean- this into a fluff piece about you. Anyway, so the other tangent, Eric dropped the real dragon wouldn't do that uh, line. And that <laughs> that yeah. is a uh, an anecdote from the development of the video game Lair for the PS3, which I worked on. And I I I pay this Patreon to this group uh, called Easy Allies. And they, they used to be GameTrailers.com, but now they've got their little Patreon. And they have a show that they do once a month called Trash Babies. And the idea is that they force themselves to play 
a game that got a 60 or less on Metacritic <laughs> and decide whether to trash it or treasure it. And I got them to play Lair on Trash Babies. Awesome. So nice. check the show notes. I'm going to put a link to the YouTube video. Will the ELT allies trash my game or treasure it? You'll just have to watch to find out there. I mean, Brian, of all your games that I've never played, that was my favorite. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I still I still find myself saying uh, a real dragon wouldn't do that and then going, oh, they don't know what I'm talking about. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody does. But it's perfect. That's, yeah. That's how, uh, you know, on, on point that phrase is, is that it's just not. No. <laughs> That's the legacy of Lair. That's the legacy of Lair. I Lair. still contend that Lair was a game made for the person sitting next to the player on the couch. And it still holds up in that respect. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thank you for that. Because it's like, I know that you were that you were part of the the shafted end of that Ren and Stimpy debacle on Sega Genesis with with Eric, where he kept trying to get you to go through the <laughs> hole, and then he would fuck it up at the very end, and he made you go through that for like 15, 20 minutes, and you didn't even notice that he was just doing it to fuck with you. It was so yeah. amazing. Oh, you um, know, when you're young, you can't see past your own fucking nose. Yeah, you were just so. into, you're like, I'm going to get to that next level, and Eric's like, I'm going to sabotage yeah, you every and time. Yeah, I turned into <laughs> Ren, and I'm like, <laughs> No, I yeah. kept going, I'm sorry, that's my fault. No, okay, this time yeah. out, this yeah. time out. Yeah. This, this time, time I'm really going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, no, 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 oh no, shit, was I supposed to do that? Okay, good, that's good my bad. Okay, let's try as But as an audience member in that living room, uh, that was one of my favorite moments ever. I'll just say that. <laughs> Entertainment times 100. <laughs> ah, friends. The kind of friends that will kill you if you yeah, might right? be dead already. Yeah. Which, yes. Which okay. leads me to uh, to mine, if Yay. I may. Uh, have you guys ever listened to the Smartless podcast? Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Uh, it's quite funny. It's basically, it's like if we did a show and we were all rich and famous and new famous people. Uh, oh, yeah, that, back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be that would be our guessed. show. Uh, they interact in, in a, a similar way every time I, I listen to it because they've known each other for years and they just bust each other's chops and it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but they did a, a short documentary series that's on Max right now from last year where they took the show on a, a mini road tour and did live dates and brought in guests and stuff. But most of it is just about them interacting behind the scene. When they went, the three of them all, uh, like a hotel suite. Mm -hmm. So they were on the 24 seven. They like would like do the shows. They would go stay at the same hotel in the same suite, etc. And it's just them interacting with each other. And it's just, it's almost too much to watch sometimes because it's just so brutal because they just don't care like they'll say something and then like <laughs> like will or no just go really you fucking genius is that what's going on because it's just because <laughs> they've known each other for so long and it's just hilarious to watch but one of the funniest things is like they still discover things about each other that they didn't know and then there's like a whole sidebar where jason bateman goes into uh like his daily routine he's like yeah when you get up you have your coffee or whatever and you got to you got to get your shit in before you shower so that you're nice and clean because if you don't then you got to take another shower like you seriously you have to take a shower every time you take a shit <laughs> and then that becomes like a whole like sub thing through the entire thing where like he, he's like yeah these this meal kind of get to me and then like just a shorthand like oh you got to go take a shower again you got a shower <laughs> i mean it's just shit like that 
It's only like six episodes, but it's quite fun because they just they're merciless with each other. Uh, so I highly recommend it. But every time I, I listen to it or watch that show, I'm like, it reminds me of uh, what we do, even though we don't do it very well. <laughs> we're kind Three of old bastards making yeah, fun yeah. of each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they like to bust Jason Bateman's shops because he's been an actor since the age of 10. Uh, and they always bring up stuff like Team Wolf 2 and things like that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, so, and, uh, <laughs> And I think Sean Hayes at one point <laughs> made some offhand reference to the Hogan family and how that was like his sexual awakening or some shit. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just dumb stuff like that. So it's fun, but I recommend it because uh, they have they have an easygoing interaction with each other uh, that they I mean, they bust. It's like it's very uh, fraternal. They bust each other's chops, but it's it's all from a, from it's a very affectionate place. You know what I mean? So it's good. Uh so there's that. And then just uh, on a sidebar, I just randomly started watching some old Adult Swim stuff from like when Adult Swim was like first a thing, you know, mm-hmm. like 20 some odd years ago. Uh, and I've been revisiting Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Oh, that was the best. Yeah. Have, have you w- watched this one, Brian? Oh, like when it was airing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the this is the period where they've got like the whole Hanna-Barbera animation yeah, yeah. catalog. So they've got all of these cells and they're reusing them to make yeah. other shows like Space Ghost Coast to Coast and Sea Lab 2021, and, right? And, and Brack Show and yeah, uh, what yeah, have you. Fucking uh, astonishing lineup. Uh, but we're getting through like the first season and they're only like 12 minute episodes. Yeah, And each one is just basically set up the court case, do the court case. And it's just mayhem and chaos Fred from Flintstone, start to finish. Tony Soprano is a i that I, that is to me is the height yeah yeah <laughs> or like or, or like the one where uh boo boo turns out to from yogi bear turns out to be like the unabomber the unaboo-boo yeah. uh <laughs> i mean it's just like so random uh and one of my favorites was it's it's the the show is literally titled show you weenie and it's about a japanese pop band called show you weenie and then it turns out that uh the neptunes from Jabberjaw, like stole their song because <laughs> they didn't have it copyrighted, and so there's like this whole copyright battle with Show You Weenie. Uh, it's just ridiculous from start to finish, and so I've been watching that, and like I said, Sea Lab 2021, uh, the Oblongs. I went back and started revisiting uh, Mission Hill. Uh, so it's like all this stuff from you know late 90s, early aughts, and I have to say the animation game was just spot on for these shows back then it's like that was a golden era and i never really think about it until i look back on them and and they're all made for like 10 bucks yeah that's the best part like this just those guys working in that you know i'm sure the worst possible conditions for like pizza and beer but yeah Yeah. they cranked and and a whole lot of weed and they just cranked out some funny ass shit well but it laid the groundwork for a lot of other stuff down the line because like adam reed uh, did work on stuff like Harvey Berman and he would go on to do uh, a bunch of other like classic stuff. Uh, like Even Archer. Colbert was the voice of uh, yeah. his boss. Yeah. And there's like, uh, <laughs> and Gary Cole is Harvey Berman uh, just being very dry and just sort of slightly dim, but in a fun way. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, but if you've never watched them, I highly recommend to anybody who might be listening. Uh, it's on Max right now, but spot on Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. It's the best stuff ever. All right. Eric, what you got? 
uh, didn't I already do gemstones? Oh yeah. shit! Did you, you forget? Did. Yeah. So never mind. Full circle. It's uh, all right. I do, forget what uh, our shows are about. Every do a diehard. Do a diehard. Do a diehard. Let's let yeah. Hit the bumper and then let's do a diehard. I went back to because we got Max for mm-hmm. like a month. We we jump around. We don't have Prime anymore, but jump we around. now have Max, and we're gonna get rid of Max, and then we're gonna have Paramount, and we don't stick. But yeah. we have Max, and so I was like, oh, I gotta go watch some Rick and Morty, and <clears throat> there was a Rick and Morty that is all about <laughs> Die Hard, yeah. and and a Die Hard concept, and they do a yes. Die Hard concept where they all n- are aware of Die Hard. And yeah. they're they're fighting. You know, she has never seen uh, that the sister has never seen Die Hard, and she's fighting a group of aliens whose whole culture is based on Die Hard. Yeah. Who tell her that every culture has a Die Hard. Oh, oh, walkie-talkie. That's Die Hard. Don't have to see it to know that. This is John's. I repeat, have you found him? Breaker, breaker, walkie-talkie. I got your walkie-talkie, bitch. Are you doing a Die Hard? Maybe. Are you also? More or less. And my associate, Frank. Uh, your associate, Frank, is definitely not doing a Die Hard. You might even say he's doing a Die Easy because they killed him and it wasn't. It's not every day one meets a fellow Die Hard enthusiast, miss. Call me Die Hard. Okay, Die Hard. Tell me, what do you know about Die Hard? What do you care? You writing a book about Die Hard? As a matter of fact, I've written several. Every sentient civilization across the galaxy eventually develops the same myth. In Centauri, it's known as Tower Man. The Oranese have their Thornburg cycle. And in Andromeda, it's called foolish to have imagined you'd be able to kill. All of them what you call Die Hard. The difference being that cultures like mine are aware of its importance, whereas I'm starting to doubt. You could even recall a single line. Walkie talkie Die Hard, motherfucker. And she does a Die Hard in, yeah. in not knowing what Die Hard is. And yeah. Yes. And it's. Yeah. And the thing that's astonishing is it's the B story. It's not even like the main thrust of the the thing. Uh, so it that whole thing starts off with Rick just telling Summer, "Go do a Die Hard." <laughs> and so she does, like cross her through, through some vents and whatever. And and but, they but do what it. What I love is that she's like, "I'm you know I'm a teenager. I haven't seen Die Hard." And you yeah. realize, yeah, Die Hard is an oldie timey movie now. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's astonishing at, at what. It has become it's a genre unto itself and that's just yeah. so weird to think about because it didn't really reinvent the wheel that much no but they it used was to call it they used to call it a, a ticking clock movie yeah i mean if you think of it um 12 o'clock high was a diehard movie before diehard yeah well even like escape from new york or uh commando i mean there were yeah. there were movies of the same era but for some reason, like Die Hard comes in in 1988 and is such a profoundly surprising success uh, that like they suddenly literally had the newspaper ads where the Maxell guy with the speakers you know, blown away or whatever. The, yeah, yeah. The guy in the chair is like, it will blow you out the back of the theater. And it was just that and Die Hard. And like they didn't even put anything from the movie in the newspaper ads. They yeah, were so confident. It's in crazy. <laughs> but the thing is that uh, Die Hard did break some of the rules. Uh, so for for people that aren't aware of Die Hard for whatever reason, uh, like the 17 year old kids among you, uh, it's basically uh, a New York cop flies to L.A. to reconnect with his estranged wife, who's an executive for this Japanese corporation called Nakatomi, 
Uh, they've got this giant new super skyscraper office building that they're in, but it's still under construction on some of the floors. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, they're having a, a big party to celebrate a deal. So he shows up to kind of get back in good graces with his wife and rebuild the relationship. And then suddenly a bunch of Euro trash uh, terrorists take over the building. John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, goes into the building proper to, to hide to try and save the day and then just starts fucking up all of their plans to eventually steal a bunch of bear bonds or something. Uh, yeah. So that's it. That's the movie. The thing the thing that set it apart at the time, remember this is 1988, right? So we're in like the middle of like the Rambo and Schwarzenegger, you know, movies. Yeah, big going early muscle bound. All of, and, and, and so the thing was at the time, Bruce Willis was the moonlighting guy, right? <laughs> He's like the, the smart ass, just yuppie, n- nothing dude. And they make him do all this action stuff. And and they also beat the holy shit out of him, right? So yeah. like the, you know that that I think becomes one of the, you know, and I, maybe that's the question: what makes it a diehard, right? And I think that's a big thing: is like believably normal protagonist also gets the shit kicked out of him, and yeah. and nowadays like every protagonist gets the shit kicked out of him in every movie, so that's kind of not notable well, anymore, but. I think well, those the, are two big things. Well, at the time when it became a success, that's when I think Schwarzenegger had said during some interviews, like it's, it's over for us, me and Stallone. I mean, it was just because mm. nobody was yeah. going to hire a big burly muscle bound dude to be the hero anymore. Cause all you needed was a guy that had sharp wits who maybe wasn't the strongest guy in the world, you know? And it wasn't so. just diehard. It was also the 1989 Batman where yeah. you've got Michael Keaton, who's like a goofball and he's suddenly, you know, the tough. Right. And it's like, yeah, you don't need to actually have muscles or no fighting stuff. You just need, you know, yeah. proper film technique and it'll still work. Mm, yeah. But the, the thing with, with Die Hard becoming a genre, I mean, if you look at it just on a very basic level, I mean, it, it laid a very solid blueprint for what a Die Hard type movie is. Okay. And but like, it's, but, it, is but, it? and, well, Hardly any of them seem to waver from it. I mean, they change up bits here and there, but it's all pretty much the same. So you've got uh, your protagonist who is some sort of, uh, well, not always a law enforcement, not always like a big tough guy, but just someone who is in the wrong place at the wrong time and then manages to be the, like, as, 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 yeah. Bruce Willis was a fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, who basically is I there would, to to save everybody. I would say a protagonist who, no matter what their skill set, is limited to whatever is within the reach of their yeah grasp to and deal with the situation. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's always a, cont- and it's a, a a ticking clock and an enclosed environment, and it doesn't yeah. matter mm. how big or small the environment is, they're fixed in. Like Dread is a diehard movie, even though that's a huge ass building, and he's got a gun that shoots a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, he doesn't get any reloads, he doesn't get any backup. And he can't leave the building. Yeah. So it's like everything is contained. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So would you say then like something like bullet train is a diehard then? Uh, to the extent that it's in an enclosed space uh, okay. and he's talking to someone on the outside occasionally, but the stakes are not quite. Yeah. I mean, he's same. a professional. And, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. So not quite. But uh, it has elements. Yeah. Okay. So that one is, is I not. I think it would count. I mean, it, it, it's close. Uh, I think the problem with with that maybe is that there's just so many disparate characters, but but yeah. it's still we're following one guy and yeah. he is on his own. 
but it's it's basically yeah the one guy on his own there's some sort of uh terrorist group or criminal group or whatever that's like doing something usually a heist mm-hmm. sometimes it's you know they're there to kill yeah, somebody or whatever why. that's uh, why because it's a whole, whole bunch of different hitmen after uh yeah after brad pitt in that movie it's not like yeah a single entity right and, and yeah you're right usually it's a terrorist posing as you know a criminal posing as a terrorist they yeah. love that trope yeah or like if you do like passenger 57 it's actually a terrorist yeah uh and there's really no end game other than he's just trying to get away uh but it's still a diehard because it's you know in a plane the whole nine yards but you've right. always got the ha- the hapless hero stuck in the environment uh stopping the bad guys there's usually some sort of uh personal connection to one of the the people in the building that's a hostage or some such mm-hmm. that he has to save uh to up the stakes uh and then basically there more often than not is somebody on the outside world that he's in contact with uh so you can get some character exposition uh and then stuff blows up real good bullet train more and more of a diehard as this list goes on i mean (laughs) i gotta be honest with you i i saw bullet train once and i don't remember much okay so i'll take your word for it uh so it it, it's sort of that's the general blueprint and the movies that ape it do mix it up a little bit here and there just so they can be their own version but you know it's the same thing i think the biggest culprit is die hard 2 where it's just (laughs) they literally just said well we'll just do another die hard we'll just put it in an airport you know and randy harling makes stuff blow up good i mean it's just so dumb what what makes that fall apart again why i think all of the sequels are not die hard movies right is that another element is it's a guy who happens to be like i said however he's he's limited to his own capabilities right Right. and that can't happen more than once (laughs) if it happens five times well then he is always like like yeah you know not in danger because his whole skill set is being ready at any moment which john mcclain now has to be yeah well for mcclain too it's like they they really milk it too in every sequel where they always have to make some reference to that nakatomi business uh like that somehow cemented him catchphrase yeah it's just so it's garbage it's just so dumb uh here's the uh the other thing i think that makes die hard a die hard is that there's a twist right uh so we don't understand the motivations of hans gruber and his crew in this and that's why the only die hard sequel that i acknowledge the existence of is the third one uh die hard with a vengeance you know you had asked us to bring like what's our what's our tops and i think the best certainly the only die hard sequel worth your time is that one which it's based on a book and well so is the first one so yeah exactly so like it has twists it's it's got good source material and by making it basically die hard in a new york city um they they expand the palette a bit and and make it its own thing and it i was yeah. so thoroughly bored by that movie it's a tough nut to crack yeah i remember thinking because like die hard 2 i kind of liked and i think i kind of liked it because bonnie bedelia makes it okay to like it in the end when she says why does this keep happening to us you know yeah. it's like a comment on this is kind of bullshit isn't well it? i mean you think it's like that's 19 <laughs> that's right off the heels of 89 where we had a bunch of bullshit sequels anyway yeah. like lethal weapon 2 and whatnot so then you get to 1990 and here's die hard 2 and it's just literally a rehash 
of the first one just set in an airport the stakes are just non-existent as far but as it's rennie harlan but it's, it's rennie harlan. harlan at the height of his low budget powers yeah. who and i love the fact and this and we can get into this tangent as well as we go but i love the fact that this sets the stage for uh people involved with Die Hard directly who will go on to do other diehard clones so rennie harlan goes on to do cliffhanger a few years later with stallone which is just diehard on a mountain and it's like John Lithgow is the baddie. He's the Hans Gruber. It's the same vibe. It's just on a big giant mountain. Oh, it's such a ridiculous movie. That's why I like the third one. John McTiernan directed. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing his yeah. own Die Hard ripoff. But yeah. I just I have trouble with Die Hard with a Vengeance because I just don't care enough about Jeremy Irons as the brother of Hans Gruber. I mean, it's just so. That's a bit much. It's just so yeah, Deus Ex Machina. You know what I mean? It's just and come the, on. The the henchman being the woman who never speaks a word, right? Feels less intimidating and more like, let's see if we can have a henchman that doesn't speak a word. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I just you see her and you go, oh, yawn. This yeah. this isn't a tough. This is but just I, somebody who's been written to not say things. Yes. And the th- and the other thing too with Dire Avengers because you get Sam Jackson as the as Zeus, his partner in this whole thing mm-hmm. uh and it's like it's on the heels of them doing pulp fiction and so it's like it's the total 180 it's like here we're going to do this like indie film with quentin tarantino big cultural touchstone and then we're going to do this this giant obnoxious sequel <laughs> to a giant obnoxious action movie i, I thought so sam jackson was loads of fun in that movie I, he was okay. but uh i just it just felt for i mean it was better than die hard 2 for me yeah let's put it like we're, that we're, we're really we're gonna be talking yeah. about die hard in a whatever movie yeah, here yeah. so let's, that's let's gonna let be us the admit, line is it better than with a vengeance for any yeah, of them yeah, right <laughs> we we must we must at this point say we have made three or four different batches of chocolate chip cookies that instead of chocolate chips use shit and now we're asking each other which ones are the better ones i mean you know? it's like I, these are not good because they are sequels of an original idea Right. But I will I will up the ante and I will say that there are some that are actually good movies that stand on their own. Oh, diehard oh, no. knockoffs are not. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying this about the diehard knockoffs. I'm right. just saying specifically the sequels to Die Hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can oh. go jump off a cliff. It's there yeah. are a number of really good ones, actually. It's Why a law of diminishing returns. Why do we keep getting diehard movies? Well, yeah. and then you get to the ones later <laughs> with like live free or die hard and then you got to bring no. his kids into the mix and Doesn't it's just exist. like stop just fucking yeah. stop we don't need six die hard movies yeah. at this somehow point. one of them turns into a jai courtney trying to make jai courtney happen movie no, no <sighs> yeah just <it's>, no. <laughs> but, yeah like like what was, i don't know there was the one where they were in russia and they basically blow up russia uh, yeah, that's the jai courtney one that's god Isn't damn it, it nobody cares yeah <laughs> So, so just ignore. I mean, you can go to Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'll give you that as a trilogy, sure, whatever. Yeah. But that was no. that was nothing more than Bruce Willis having a, his own IP, basically. Yeah. yeah. To, to like keep you, it's 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 Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. Yes. Movies. Yeah. Yes, basically. That's exactly it. Uh, uh, but it does sort of lead into the whole thing about Die Hard is just an overarching blueprint because then you get that whole string of like producers going oh die hard in a plane die hard in a boat die hard in a train die hard blah 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 die hard in a, die bus. Hard in a mall was die hard favorite. in a mall yeah die and hard so in it's, a bus yeah <laughs> so it's just like it leads into these ridiculous things where they have to shoe in shoehorn in all this stuff 
to make it a diehard movie, but not be a diehard movie. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what I mean? And so it's yeah. just uh, some of them are, are better at it than others. But for whatever reason, I think their favorite go to in the in the 90s was Die Hard in a Plane. I guess because it's an easy contained space. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do it on sets. So you don't really have to mess around too much uh, with stuff. But the problem with the planes, so you get like Passenger 57, uh, Executive Decision, Air Force One, uh, etc. It's like there's only so many places in a plane that you can go where they can't right? find you. Yeah, and that's it's just drives so me dumb. crazy about yeah. any movie where people are hiding from each other in a plane. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're not hard to find. Yeah. Your motion is real easy to yeah. see. Like, what? So and it's you can't move just, fast. There's all those chairs and people. There's yeah. just a single eye. Yeah. Try going to the bathroom on a plane. And now now imagine <laughs> staging a gunfight that way. Yeah. Eh. But as a comparison, like uh passenger 57 versus say Air Force One. Uh like Passenger 57 knows it's a dumb movie. It's a B actioner from start to finish. It just is winky winky, doesn't care. And so I give it a pass. I mean, when Passenger 57 came on a video. I was working at Blockbuster. I waited for it to go on sale used. I bought the copy and I literally watched it like every other day for like four months. I don't know why. What I just fuck, did. Chris? Yeah. <laughs> and so I have a, a soft spot for Passenger 57. But then you go to the opposite spectrum. You get Wolfgang Peterson, the guy that made Das Boot, doing this like big giant studio action movie with Harrison Ford about the president who gets hijacked by a bunch of terrorists on Air Force One and then becomes like the McLean as president thing. And it's just so ludicrous okay. from start so, to finish. That movie's premise is so dumb. Right? I still haven't seen it. Like I just refused to watch <laughs> it out of sheer I mean I can't I can't even suspend my disbelief long enough for the trailer I, to this thing. Yeah. Like no. I mean literally Air Force One boils down to the very end when Harrison Ford is the beleaguered beaten president who's just tired, says the line, get off my plane. And then, you know, there it goes. It's like you wait the entire movie for that big yeah. boffo line, and it's like that's what they give you. It's like a very tepid villain by Aunt Gary Oldman who did a much more interesting villain in fifth element and others. It's just so strange to me that it exists. I mean, the, the whole, the whole movie needs to be about how did the terrorists infiltrate air force one defeat well, the secret service well, and even have a shot at this or I'm I, out. Right. Go ahead, Eric. I, yeah. I, I don't want to say the movie I watched for this week for this subject uh uh was was the 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 one where they take over a naval ship uh under siege and i realized watching this this is a successful pitch meeting in 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 search of a a viable reason it's like okay somebody said it's diehard on a navy ship and they're there to steal nukes. Yeah. And you yeah. hear that and you go, yeah, built in movie. Okay. Here's some money. Go make. Yeah. And so every Steven five Seagal. minutes, there's some new thing that must happen or there's no movie. Well, and I so mean, there's like a surprise birthday party for yeah. the captain of the ship. You're like, and we need to break all the security things so that we can throw him. But yeah, that's going to happen. We're going to land a, a helicopter on the nose of a battleship. And in a way such as not to let the captain know that there's a surprise birth. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. The there's it's a rock and roll band that are act that, you know, is actually terrorists. And one of them is Tommy Lee Jones. 
Yeah. You know, well, here's the deal. It's like it's it's a Steven Seagal vehicle from start to finish. And so it's just every shot is about Steven Seagal with that squinty little fucking face talking with whatever accent he tries to use in this thing and then doing his weird Aikido bullshit with the knife fight and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous. But but, the, but as counterbalance, but I mean, I'm just saying I'll I'll buy that. It's like, OK, we've got we've got a Navy SEAL who is like in the a kitchen sh- a ship's but cook, this yeah. only works because they happen to have locked him in the meat locker <laughs> you know when this yeah. all happened and it's like okay yeah everything after that i don't care anymore i've you've already lost me because you've set it up in in an unbelievable manner right well, but but like, there's the connection to like ones like air force one uh, where one of the tropes is you have to have the disgruntled guy on the inside who's making it all possible for this terrorist group mm-hmm. or whatever to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always a thing, but it's always like the same type of deal. Like if you look at at Under Siege or Air Force One or even like Olympus Has Fallen or whatever, it's always some sort of disgruntled uh, federal service worker <laughs> who's just right. had enough and just like, fuck you people, I'm going to take but my if- share and go. But I would, I guess my point is, I would say if the concept, like introducing the, um, the, you know, I- I- introducing the reason isn't strong, the movie folds. Yeah. It's like Air Force mm-hmm. One, it doesn't matter how much production goes into it or, you know, how much scene chewing uh, Gary Oldman does. The basic concept does not work and right. nor does the reason doing all that just to get a guy out of prison. That's, that's goofy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, something like Olympus has fallen. Everything is set up well. It's like if that's even that is unlikely no, that the- North Korea would take over yeah. the White House. But what they do to get there is not unbelievable. It, but it's yeah. also fucking just 80s action nutbaggery. Well, yeah, one. I mean, that was the movie that ultimately was like, OK, that's the one I'll bring because I Which, went and saw this thing. And I mean. Yeah, I That's could crazy. not get past the the ridiculous conceit. I mean, you you have to kind of let yourself get past that conceit. They're like, this yeah. is Die Hard in a White House, which right? it, it's the second one too. They did White House Down the same year, by, with Roland Emmerich. Uh, oh God! And so yeah, you had two competing Die Hard in a White House movies, and it's just astonishing that like Olympus has fallen. If you compare the two, is makes White House Down look like a fucking. Yeah. like a school project because yeah. nothing happens in white house down uh, but olympus has fallen it's like they hit that like standard 20 minute mark in every diehard ripoff you have to have the action start and they just go batshit nuts there's a plane blowing stuff up like people dying left and right rocket launchers explosions i mean olympus has fallen just goes for it man yeah so yeah. the korean like olympus has fallen a take, lot take ah. the u.s president hostage in the white house yeah to demand the the you know, withdrawal of U.S. troops in Korea yeah. and and shit, and Gerard Butler has to earn his way back onto the Secret Service <laughs> yeah. um, by rescuing the president from the fucking White House. And well, and it's yeah. is it uh, is it it's Dylan McDermott is the disgruntled Secret Service guy in that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's the inside guy who now who he was he left and he's doing private security for this this group that turns out to be North Koreans. Who are yeah. you know inside and, to take over the White House? And, and Gerard Butler is yeah he he is the Secret Service agent who saved the president but allowed the first lady to die and so the president even though they were friends can't see him anymore it hurts yeah. too much and so he works 
like across town in a different Washington across the street at the Treasury Department. Yeah, Yeah, at the yeah at the Treasury Department. And so when all the shit happens that kills all of the Secret Service agents, that's why they don't get him. And yeah, he's the one you shouldn't auto messed with because Uh, man, he stabs so many people in the head. I mean, I love this movie if only for all the head stabbing. I think it's that's one of the the YouTube clips where they do the body count, uh, and it's like. They, they basically ratchet up the the head stabs and that's one of the very defining features of that particular yeah. film i, I <laughs> will i when will he... give olympus has fallen a little bit of retroactive um a- apology i guess because in light of the actual january 6th uh 2000 right or 2021 uh shit you know where i'm watching people storm the capitol i'm like why aren't these people just being shot in exactly right yeah. i realized that maybe our defenses aren't what i was expecting so <laughs> yeah. maybe i can give olympus has fallen a little bit more plausibility but this. yeah um and yeah no i yeah I, that's the thing i think the the setup and the execution of the bad guy plan is an important factor in whether or not it works yeah yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you, the, you, it's hard to top Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, though. I mean, it's just that's so yeah. iconic now. Apparently, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like <laughs> I watch all these other villains and I'm like, OK, who's the Gruber? Like, that's your first thing. Like, pick out who the Gruber is, uh, who's the turncoat, etc. So then that sort of is distracting when you watch these diehard knockoffs. Uh, but the thing that gets me when you get like Air Force One, Olympus has fallen, White House down. I started thinking like, why don't they do one that's like the liberal fantasy version of this, where it's like you got the guy who's got to stop the January sixth insurrection, uh, and so you, you get to kill a bunch of fucking dipshit MAGA heads and whatnot. I think that would just be spot on because they would all be inept, and it would be like a short movie, but whatever. And then that made me think, well, why don't you do one where you actually have Trump? That's the president, and he's so dumb that it doesn't matter what happens after that. I mean, that's the sort of stuff I was thinking of when I'm watching these now. I'm like, how can you relay this to real life stuff? Oh God, do it! Yeah, okay, it's Trump, and it's like you know we we uh, they they they've taken over the White House. They have Donald Trump. All right, yeah. <laughs> Wait, but what? Yeah, I don't care. Fuck him. Bullet hey, hit yeah. in minutes. Yeah, because he won't listen to the Secret Service. I mean, it's just yeah. Uh. So that's yeah, but like you said, where the where the movies tend to fall apart is if you don't believe the plan. Yes. I mean, just from start to finish. Where and this I will say, like I've talked about this before. When Speed came out in 1994, I fucking hated it. I just did not like it. Speed. And that's that's basically a straight up diehard lineage because it's Jan de Bont who was the director of photography on the original Die Hard. It's like his big feature film action debut. Uh, and it's literally just put Keanu Reeves in a confined space throughout the movie. So it starts yeah. in a building elevator. Then it was recommended by McTiernan. They tried to yeah. get him to make it. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. just, it's basically diehard, but it goes from the building to the bus to the subway. And so it's like these varying degrees of just, I'm going to put you in a contained space, but I rewatch it. And I start to enjoy it because I understand the motivation of Dennis Hopper's character. I don't uh, find it as absurd on a rewatch for whatever reason. I just he's just disgruntled, man, and he just wants his fucking money. But he does these outrageous things to do it, and it's so absurd. But it just goes to eleven by the end of the movie, and I just appreciate that so, so much. 
the thing about speed is like the whole premise is there's a bomb on a bus that will go off right if the bus goes slower than 55 miles an hour so it wasn't the villain's motivation that i found it hard to buy it was have you ever seen a bus even get going that fast in yeah. LA traffic in the well, first place? Like it's never gonna not go below fifty five. Yeah. Well, it's not like they don't ask you to suspend your disbelief in these movies. You like think? snakes on a plane. That's that's basically Die Hard on a plane with snakes. I mean, it's just you know who gives a shit. Uh, but I'll tell you one that still works for me, and it's such a weird Die Hard clone, but Home Alone. When you watch it now, it's like, that's a diehard movie, man. Yeah. That's a fucking diehard movie. Yeah. I don't know. See, the thing is, there. okay, I, I, um, Skyfall, the, the James Bond movie Skyfall, right. Right. in the end, they basically home alone the house. Right. I think home alone is its own, like, sort of subgenre. Well, yeah. You know, it's, of it's, basically oh. making a trap house. That's a very, like, a very weird snake eating its own tail kind but, of thing. But, but then that makes Violent Night a diehard. Yes, Oh it my is. god. That's and that's the, the most best one. That's, that's the, one. the most that's the most recent example of a diehard clone. Yes. Is Violent Night. Yeah. And uh it's got all the elements. It's you know, it's like the disgruntled dude taking over the blah 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 and you got the guy stuck in the building and whatever. I mean it's it's a it's a straight up just right there. Which leads me to the, the ones that are the comedy versions, like Paul Blart Mall Cop, which is just dumb as shit and I don't understand how that made so much money, but that's just like the happy madison people just going hey let's put uh kevin james in a mall as a mall cup and you could be diehard never seen it never will don't worry about (laughs) it um but then there's also like game over man which is basically diehard in a workaholics episode uh because it's adam (laughs) divine and the other two guys and it's basically they're in a hotel that's hosting like some rich middle eastern douchebag tiktoker type uh, influencer uh, and they're like trying to fund their idea for a game system called Skintendo, which is basically just how to like put a suit on a person and control them like the video game. Uh, it's so dumb. And it's basically just diehard with an incessant amount of dick jokes. Uh, but it's got one of my favorite bits, winking, winky to diehard because they the terrorists show up and then the black guy with glasses gets out and they're like, are you ready to go to the control room and do this? And he's like, yeah, you didn't bring me along because I look like the nerd from Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> so at least some of these get it. They're just winky, winky. You know, we're going to have fun with it. Uh, but each one has got its own mixed bag of stuff. But And I sent you the clip, but I will say this. My favorite batshit moment from any Die Hard clone from start to finish uh, is in Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme. There's a whole fight sequence where he fights a a person dressed as the mascot for the Pittsburgh Penguins during a Stanley Cup final in like their kitchen. And there's really no setup for it other than this villain suddenly appears (laughs) wearing the suit and then they beat the shit out of each other until the, the villain dies in the suit. It is so absurd. It is so dumb. And at that point, that's like, well, this is where the worm has turned for the diehard clones because it just, it doesn't make any sense. This They're just is the here. moment. It wasn't yeah. speed or diehard two. It was no, no sudden death. It's, it's Van Damme in sudden death because then you've got Powers Booth trying to hold the vice president for ransom in the executive suite. And it's literally the villain on a radio for the entire movie in that room. It's just, it's, they, they took all of the wrong lessons from diehard. And it just falls apart. But the fact that they make Van Damme fight a mascot 
It's like, how can we make this <laughs> our own thing? And it's just so <laughs> dumb. Well, put a fight him, make him fight a mascot. Wah, wah, wah. So there's a lot of lampshading uh, after the fact. So, so where do we go from here? I mean, we've got Die Hard in a what? There's there's nowhere else. Have we got Die Hard in in space yet? I think that's the Surely only frontier. That's that's see that I we, I was going to ask what your favorite Die Hard is, and I was going to say my favorite is Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> <laughs> that's because a, that's a pre Die Hard. Is, it's it is it is exactly the thing. You have a single villain. This one's out for revenge. They're trapped in that area of space because you know the the Enterprise's warp drive gets nitzed like early on. They don't have a full complement of you know people on the ship. It's basically a training cruise. They're caught really unprepared for the situation, and they have to make it out with their wits. Yeah, I mean it's just. Uh, do you remember Toy Soldiers? Did anybody watch that one? That's another no. Die Hard, but it's a bunch of uh, teenagers at a military academy run by Patrick Stewart. Speaking yeah. of Star Trek, I remember hearing of it. I didn't see it. Ah, uh, it's I don't remember much of it. And like uh, some kid actor, I think the kid from uh Home Improvements or whatever. Well, no. I think Sean Aston's one of them, Will Wheaton, I guess. I don't know. It's it's the weird one. Uh but yeah, I couldn't think of any like in space, but apparently Bruce Campbell did one where he's the Gruber character uh taking over like a uh, I don't know, like a space station because his terrorist group wants the wants their own planet or something. <laughs> what? And uh, oh, yeah, whatever. I think it's called Assault on Dome Four. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I read about it. I'm like, holy shit, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, that seems okay. like it could be just as good as the Taking of Beverly Hills. So, so it, we've hit the point of. Here's a movie that I, I I think sounds terrible and I haven't seen. So I think we've done it. Well, <laughs> although, Brian, you haven't seen Taking Beverly Hills. And Eric teased that he would make that his movie choice for this particular show. Yeah, I just wasn't going to pay money for it. Oh, no, it's on YouTube. <laughs> I actually went and fucking watched it on YouTube, oh. you dick. Because uh, I hadn't seen it in 30 years. And it's basically Ken Wall uh and max <laughs> kind of farting around uh beverly hills while some uh well robert davi agent johnson from the original Die Hard, uh basically fakes a chemical spill so that he can steal everything in beverly hills in one night it's the d- dumbest fucking movie it's <laughs> wow. from the director of iron eagle Sidney j fury uh i would call that the creme de la crap of the diehard clones <laughs> uh but that was like literally the end of my like I'm gonna watch some diehard stuff, and I just felt dirty by the end of it. And, and this just... is literally the end of the creme de la crap of podcasts. Yeah, it's the really? magnificently huge podcast. Die hard, die hard, die hard. Oh. If you if you like our crap, subscribe to the podcast, share on your social media feeds with your friends, and rate us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. There's links to all our socials there, all our old episodes, and you can also find a link to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Dot com. Kaya, motherfuckers. We're out. <laughs>